the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. Okay, humans who are listening to this podcast right now, you are in for an epic treat. And I say this with the greatest amount of love in my heart because when I met today's guest, it was like love, like full love, like body love at first sight. Like she just makes you want to like lean in and have hours and hours of conversation. And not only is she this open and kind and loving and generous, but she is truly incredible at supporting you in one of the areas that most people don't feel like leaning in and snuggling into. So today I have Liza Watonis. Did I say your last name right? You did. Good yes. job. Thank you on the podcast today. And I can't wait to introduce you to her epic financial story and um, how she decided to do the work that she's doing today. So hi, Liza. Hi, sweetheart. It's so great to be here. <laughs> We've had to reschedule a couple times, but divine timing and today's the day. I'm so excited. Today is the day. It's November 1st when we're recording, which feels like a juicy day in itself. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so it's like fresh starts and new starts. And I think that by the time this podcast lands uh, before the new year, right, mm -hmm. it's going to really inspire a mm -hmm. bunch of people. And a lot of people are ready at this time of the year, too. You'd be surprised. Like, you'd think some people would be really stressed with the holidays coming and, you know, the change of the year and everything. But typically around financial stuff, they're like, oh, boy, I'm really feeling it. I'm really ready. Let's do this. So which is exciting. So it'll be perfect timing. So a little segue. Thank you, Liza, for <laughs> everybody listening. And they're like, okay, great. What, what exactly does this woman do at this point? So Liza, who is she? I know. You um, in it and introduce yourself and yes. what you do. Sure. So my name is Liza Watonis. I am a wealth coach. I'm a mama. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a dear soul sister to, to the lucky souls that are out there. And I help um, reshape your habits and your beliefs around money. And so that happens with the mindset, with the thoughts, with the behaviors, and also structurally and um, strategically with budgeting, making a money plan, and having a debt payoff plan. Um, we can I dive right into my story? Yeah, man, let's yeah. dive right into your right. story. Right. So my husband and I, we started our journey seven years ago. I was teaching at the time, working two part-time jobs. Um, we had just gotten, we had just married. Um, we got married twice, which is a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Um, but we had just married and we'd bought a house and we were going through the house buying process and um, just, you know, like staying afloat, but barely. I was definitely treading a lot of water at all times and him as well. And it, it wasn't fun. Like we could not talk about money at all. Um, and it wasn't until the day that I received, well, we received a piece of mail um, and opened it, and it was just one of his student loans, uh, just one payment for his student loans, and it was the same amount as our mortgage. 
Can you share the amount? I don't even know. I think it was like $800 okay. for one payment. Um, that doesn't include the escrow and all of that jazz for our mortgage. Um, and it was that moment that was a huge wake up for both of us because I, I didn't know what to do. First off, I was like, what do I do with this? Because if I just ignore this, not great things are going to happen, I'm sure. Um, and we were just like entering and we couldn't even talk about money. And he was scared too, you know, like he, he didn't talk about it at the time, but like he was afraid too. And so at that moment, we just kind of looked at each other and was like, we, we have to do something about this. And it was scary for us to put our first, first, first foot forward, but it was scarier for us to stick our head in the sand and say, nope, we're not going to look at this. Um, and so, you know, to add to that story, just my husband's student loans were over six figures. They were six figures in debt. I was five figures in debt with just student loans, add a credit card of 10,000 in there and then two cars and our mortgage over three. This doesn't, this amount does not include our mortgage. It was over $320,000 in debt at the age of 28, 29. Mm, how many listeners can kind of relate to that? Oh, like just that, I can feel the heaviness of that. Those I'm words. short of breath. Can you yeah. feel? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. uh huh. It's a lot, and we didn't know what to do, and it was scary as, you know and, what? And shame, right? Like it brings up embarrassment. So- yeah. Like, how did we get here? What did we do wrong? And here's the thing, folks: is that, like, we, my brothers and sisters and I, were the first ones to have college degrees in her family, in my immediate family, and student loans were just what you do. There was no other option for us, you know? And, you know, with mine, I think I had a graduate and undergrad, it would, I think it panned out to be like 70,000, you know, 60,000. And that was just what you did. And it felt so unfair, truly. Like to leave my undergraduate and to go teaching and to not even get paid $30,000 a year and still have like $40,000 in student loan debt and just be like, well, I'm already behind the game before I even start. Right. It's defeating. It it takes all the air out of your balloon. And, and on top of that, add that with a, a union, a partnership with somebody who you truly love and the ability to not talk about money at the time. Neither of us. That was accumulative that you guys just like, because in in your relationship, you talk about everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like everything is like. We didn't talk about money. I would talk about it, but his comfort level was not there. And what I learned later on was that he just, nobody in his family talked about money. So it makes sense that he wouldn't. Why would he? He was never taught. Still to this day, nobody in his family talks about money, right? So now he's breaking like ancestral and generational you know, patterns. You got it. You got it. And that was what we did. So in that uncomfortable pit in the stomach, lump in the throat conversation with each other of like, what the hell do we do with this? You know, like this is, this is not like, this is not just something that we can sweep under the rug. We could, but we later down on the road, it's going to come back to bite us. And so we invested in ourselves. We invested in a financial program, um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Was not ideal for us, but we needed to learn. Like we needed to learn strategies. We needed to learn knowledge. We needed to know how to manage our money. And you know, my mom always talked about money, but it was always from a different intention. You know, of like scarcity, like 
do this, never do that type of thing, like charge your credit card, but never charge more than what's in your savings and, you know, all of that jazz. And it was helpful, but not to the fullest degree, right? Um, And so we did that and he wasn't even able to attend like the class together. Like we weren't, he worked in Massachusetts. It was like an hour drive for him. So by the time he got home, the class was already over. So we were so dedicated that I would attend the class. He would listen to the CD the next night. And the next night after that, we would then talk and do our homework. Like talk about dedication, right? And so even though we weren't able to specifically talk about the money at the time, we both were putting in the energy and the effort to make the shift in our life. And the one thing that in that course, not one thing, there was a lot of strategies that I really took away from that and that I use in my coaching business now. Um, But one thing that really changed my life was you have the ability in every moment to change your family tree. Shivers. Mm -hmm. And so exactly what you were saying just a few minutes ago, like, we didn't have a family at the time. It was just us, but like we were owning our last name, like the Watonis tree. Like we could change the dynamic of not talking about money. We could change the, the, the point of it coming from scarcity or as soon as you graduate from college being 10 feet under in debt just because, you know, because that's just what happens. And so that really like lit a fire under us. And so within three and a half, well, Within three and a half years, we paid off over $225,000 in debt. We were officially debt-free in six and a half years, and we paid off over $320,000 in debt. Um, And only 60 of that came from the sale of our house. So this is work that we put forth um, in releasing the chains of the debt and the shame and our relationship on top of that has dramatically changed the intimacy of us, the ability for us to talk about money, to have these conversations, even now our daughter's four and a half um, with her in the room has been life-changing. So I'm going to pause here because we're going to come mm-hmm. back to the money story. Um, mm-hmm. Like I giggled when you said something earlier, cause I'm like, she clearly hasn't, everybody, she hasn't clearly listened to one of my podcasts before, because when you say I get married twice, but that's something for another, another day. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, I mean, no. no, it's not. That's something for her today, Liza. <laughs> I'm so focused on money. Oh, okay. So you want to know the story as to why? So yeah. my husband and I got engaged on Valentine's Day in 2012. And I was going through my graduate degree and was graduating in August that summer. And I was a teacher. I was a teacher, you know, for eight years before I started my business. And we set our date for June of 2000. No, it was, oh gosh, don't let my husband listen to this. Valentine's Day of 2011. (laughs) And then we set our date for June, 2012. And so um, we had, my husband had an auntie Louise who our daughter is named after after and um she had been battling pancreatic cancer for bless her soul three years and we said if we needed to change the date that we would you know um and it was three weeks before i graduated from my under from my graduate degree my program that we got the call if you want auntie to be there we need to have this wedding and so we 
scrambled and planned a wedding in three weeks and had all of our immediate family raid at her house on our back porch in Scarborough, Maine. And she was present for it. It was the night before I graduated with my mm -hmm, graduate degree. And she passed five days after. Wow. Yeah. And so we kept our original date in June of 2012 um, to celebrate with friends and family. Some people at the wedding still didn't know that we were married. <laughs> it was just like it happened so quickly and everything. Um, so we get we got to celebrate twice. And I told him my third wedding I wanted on the beach. So we'll see when that one comes. <laughs> so question. Yes. Uh, do you celebrate the original date or the June? We do both. You, you celebrate both. So what was the original date? The original date is August 12th. August 12th in June. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then no, and then the second one was June 30th. June 30th. Got mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. All so, the reasons to have more like mm -hmm. love relationship, close celebration. Yes. Yeah. In this past year, we, um, we were able to go back to the place where we got married in June, which was super fun and have dinner with our daughter. So it was just like so special and, you know, everything. So. So one of my favorite questions that I ask Liza is, you know, so far we we're getting a little bit of you and your husband's story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would like to take it back, like back, 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 back to mm -hmm your origin story where did eliza come from <laughs> oh i love it yeah so anything like like what direction do you want me to bring it oh in? it's whatever you say is what is meant to be said so there's whatever no is meant to be said okay <laughs> um oh this is fun you get to know little eliza little eliza was a love i'm a two enneagram i mean there's like i'm the care bearer that shines the hearts from her belly <laughs> as Tamara was sharing earlier. Um, I don't know. When I was a little kid, like, I, I loved playing sports. I was definitely, like, the tomboy type. I was wearing not skirts. I was wearing shorts, T-shirts, playing softball. And, you know, I did play flute growing up, too, and loved singing. Um, and I, I really loved science. One of my, like, fondest memories was um, – being able to go to school early, which is crazy, in junior high at like four o'clock in the morning and um, being part of like this bird observation that was going on with some scientists that came to our school and it was rainy and it was cold. And, but it was like, I remember the day so fondly of like being able to like see these nets in the, in the woods and tracking all the information from it coming in drenched and being there since four, four o'clock in the morning and just going throughout the school day. And so I am like a person of nature. I'm a person who loves science. If, there's ever a water or you know ocean show on discovery channel like i'm glued in there i'm watching it anything marine I'm, I'm all for it so um as a child it was super fun relationships with like girlfriends were not always the easiest for me so i always gravitated towards um men and they were like my best friend best friend always and still even still i have um i've maintained one like girl relationship, girlfriend relationship, and then two boy, two men relationships. And that's just who I am. And so it's been really nice to kind of step into my thirties and be 
kind of grow and show myself and be so confident in myself so that I can welcome in the soul sisters relationships of what I've been waiting for for my whole life, which is super cool. So now I have questions about that. So, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> of course you do. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> right. Because I think that this is something that is uncomfortable for a lot of people. It is. It's leaning into having like, or even being vulnerable enough with people to have those attachments and intimacy. Would mm -hmm. you say that the financial piece actually helped you create more intimacy in all relationships, including? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, here's the thing, you know, once I had the confidence to, the confidence to be convicted in what it is that I really wanted in life, then I was able to actually feel that way, vibrate throughout my other relationships. So I would say yes. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we made choices on our debt, you know, debt payoff plan and story that did end up actually creating space from some relationships. And I'm not saying that it was all butterflies and rainbows. Like there was definitely some deep cuts that were very hurtful. Um, but what it allowed me to do was to stand firmly in what was important with like my husband and my plan and my plan in life and allowed me to really like solidify my values for the things that are most important in my life. And so it helped me stay in my lane, which I think is one of the hardest things to do financially because of comparisonitis, even as a business owner, you know, like comparing is one of it's, it's, life, not life threatening, but like it could be it depending on how deep you go with yourself and the other people involved. And so it's like, this has allowed me to just stand firmly in who I am and what it is that I want. And that's what we did on our, our financial journey and still are doing. So I'm going back talking a little bit to like how you even got into the educational system in mm -hmm. the first place. Like what was the, the drive and motivation for that? Yeah. So I'm a lover. <laughs> I was such a lover. I knew since first grade that I wanted to be a teacher. And so when graduation came, they were like, Oh, what are you going to be? And I was like, well, I guess I'll be a teacher. Um, and you know, what I love about teaching is the ability to like have that light bulb go off in children's lives. Um, I taught second grade for six years and then kindergarten for two public and private. And I love watching and witnessing the students just work through their own way, but also guiding them along the way and then seeing it go off and then having them just like take off with it. And so I think that that right there has allowed me to witness that still in my coaching business. Well, and I'm getting this image too, because most of our stories that we tell ourselves are very childlike, especially where mm -hmm. my money is concerned. It's like, we are mm -hmm. the grade two student. Mm -hmm. um, when we come in, like it, like I know from my own personal money stories mm -hmm. and things like I get triggered like a great two year old mm -hmm. <laughs> when I'm, you know, being told I can't have the things that I want, or it's mm -hmm. not, you know, and the spending cycle and, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, avoidance and all those kinds of things. It's, it, it is like childlike mm -hmm. in a way. I agree. And that's like oftentimes where I start my clients. It, it is when, what, what, if I was a fly on the wall when you were a child, how was money discussed? How did it feel? What were the situations? And I call those imprints. You know, imprints are observations, 
conversations, um, experiences, and, you know, stories that have been told in your life. And look at us, like I'm 35. So think how many stories I've been told in the 35 year and he, years. And here's the thing. It's not just in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like these, these money stories are generational. You know, I love that you said that because it's so true. There's a, there was a study out there. Have I shared this with you yet, Tamara, that about the, the mice and the cherry scent? I don't know. So no? Okay. Um, so there was a study where this male mouse was exposed to the scent of cherry. And after the fact that he was exposed to the scent of cherry, like the floor vibrated. And so it created fear. He was scared. And so anytime he smelled cherry from that point on, he had instant fear. Okay. This male mouse went then to produce an offspring, right? Guess what happened? The offspring. Yeah. Without even having that experience for itself, anytime it was exposed to cherry, had fear for some unknown reason. It was because of the experience of the dad. Six generations. Wow. Six generations. This fear carried throughout with, to the scent of cherry. So can you imagine our grandparents, 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 grandparents. So what I want to release and like grant and give yourself permission for is like some of the emotions that you're feeling. I'm not saying like disown, like the responsibility. I, I think we understand that, but like, some of the sensations that we have about money just aren't ours. And if we don't allow ourselves to be aware of what we're actually feeling and tapping in, it starts with us. If, we're, if we don't allow ourselves to really be aware of what, what we're actually feeling and maybe not even why, but maybe sometimes why, then we're not able to work through it. Just, I'm just taken so strongly with this story because it, one of the greatest things that I study and share with my clients, right, is the, like, we do the practice. You can't just think yourself out of your emotions. You can yes. never think yourself out of your emotions because the emotional body is what is actually creating mm-hmm. your reality, right? And so this goes to show, like, just by simply creating a fear, right, which is, you know, attaching to an emotion, they made that mouse not just smell cherry. The cherry was great, but they created an emotion. It was a negative emotion that created that fear generationally for six, six different little baby mice to feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But like, I just want to take this moment to say that you can flip that, right? Like mm-hmm. have the capacity mm-hmm. to create positive emotions. Mm-hmm. That's what visualization is all about, mm-hmm. right? Like you visual, you don't just think of what you, you desire, especially where money is concerned. You, you need to attach an emotion to it yeah. because that's what actually makes it your new reality. Like it's the emotional body. I just wanted to say that really excited me as well. We um, may, we may have a four-year-old um, assistant come in just so you know. <laughs> so it's all good. This okay. is mamapreneur world. Yeah, I, I agree though. I, I, can I just add to that though? Because yes. like when our mind actually visualizes things, we're not like our mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not in that visualization. And so we're actually creating our own little, our own little experience of reality for ourselves, whether it has happened or not in real life, which is kind of neat. 
And it's so important, you guys, that when you're visualizing that you're imagining the feeling that you would have in that visual, not just seeing a picture, really embodying the emotion mm-hmm. of the experience. Because as this study just proved, it's the emotion that creates the actual long-term reality shift that mm-hmm. you're looking for. Random question for Liza. You guys are not going to expect this one <laughs> at all. This whole time I've watched Liza talk, I can see that she has a crystal in her hand. Oh, I have two. Uh, do you? And I'm <laughs> yeah. just curious because I can hear you tap it. Like when you put your hand down, I can hear oh, you can hear it on, it. on the, the desk. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so we're going to find out what Liza has on her body today. I, I might need help. I don't know. I think this one is like the champagne quartz potentially. No, not champagne. Um, it's rainbow. Spirit quartz. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, know. you know that looks like opalite. Opalite. Okay. Perfect. That looks like opalite. To and me, like, watching, if you're watching on YouTube and you can guess that, we can drop it in. But to me, that looks like opalite. <laughs> oh, perfect. And then I have my my tourmaline always just grounding for myself it's, that's the one I noticed was the yeah. <laughs> it was in your palm and it was dark and I was yeah. like and it has this little perfect spot for my thumb to rub it so it's like calming for me yes. and for just and I my do the first quartz is right here I have selenite and I have Lemurian seed crystal and I have pyrite um, yeah I have more I have more behind there somewhere so <laughs> so, so fun so I want to go into your marriage right now for a second. Yeah, sure. Because, you know, there's a lot of listeners that are listening who are, they're in the same boat. And my husband and I have been here. You know that. That was one of our first conversations where it's like, I can't get my husband to speak to me about money. And I I don't Mm -hmm. know how to broach the conversation with my my partner, whether it's your wife or your husband and, or, you know, whichever gender that you Mm -hmm. are. Whatever relationship union. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> the question that I keep have, going, I'm going to, I'm going to multitask here. Yes. Um, the question that I have is how did you engage in that conversation and you know, what would have happened? And I, I know this is just a what if question, but like, if your husband hadn't been willing to do this work, would you be where you are today? Do you think? Oh, such a good question. And here's the other thing is like, I've witnessed this with mm-hmm. my clients as well. Um, no, I wouldn't be in the same position. You know, personally, with my own personal journey, yes. Mm-hmm. Jointly, no. Mm-mm. So my undergrad would be paid off. I would be debt-free, right? Like I would be managing my money and having a good relationship. But that partnership of us being able to team up and really tackle $320,000 together, no, that wouldn't have happened. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's super vulnerable and it's scary to really tap into it. But what I love in the work that I get to do is the opportunity to find each other the same page right. and find the union the same page. And right. so I would be on the same journey, but I'm not so sure our relationship would be as intimate make as many gains as we would have made, like accomplish what we accomplished, like what we discovered in this union, this partnership and this commitment to this task and this goal was that we're a damn good team. And anything that we put our minds to, like we can do it. And so from that point on, we're like, if we choose to do this, like we're going to make it work. We just have to decide for ourselves. 
So I'm going to ask this, like, cause I, I thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Right. Um, the piece too was like the, the beginning conversation. So if people are listening right now and they're like, I don't even know how to broach the subject with my partner. I don't even yes. know how to put it on the table, let mm-hmm. alone, mm-hmm. you know, there, cause you get into that, that hermit shame. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is something you can't talk about. People will judge me, including my partner, whatever yeah. it is. And some people even go to the form of addiction. Like they overspend, mm-hmm. they, they hide their, mm-hmm. their finances. They mm-hmm. use it as like an emotional, mm-hmm. um, release and, if you will. yeah absolutely so the, the how do you broach the the conversation yeah good question so and I'm how gonna, did you you can yeah just i'm gonna me. tell you it's like it's scary as f f <laughs> you know um it, it's definitely it's probably one of the hardest things that i had to do at that point like the pit in the stomach the lump in the throat and to really like if you fear, feel something fearful, both our mentors, Tamara and mine's like, if something's scary for you, you got to go towards it. Like, Oh, okay. You know, and it took time and grace and patience, even with all of those emotions. And so the first thing that we did, and this wasn't taught, like, this is why I started my own business was because of this piece right here, the emotional part behind it, the, um, the habits and the behaviors behind it, like that mindset piece was not taught. Like that was completely brought on by us. And so we first approached it by having empathy for each other. And we just opened up the conversation of not specifically around money and our finances, but just how we grew up with money mm-hmm. and how money was talked about, how money was handled, how money was discussed. What were those imprints that we spoke about just a few minutes ago so that we both understood where each other was coming from. Mm-hmm. And so his inability to talk and not talk about it wasn't a direct reflection for me mm-hmm. of saying he doesn't want to talk to me about it, which was my mindset. Now, after hearing his story of like money wasn't talked about, like it just, it, we didn't, it, they just took care of it. Like they didn't even talk about it between themselves. It, it wasn't witnessed, wasn't modeled. And so for me to understand that he wasn't able to communicate with that wasn't a dig to me or making me a victim. It was, oh, he just really doesn't have those skills yet. Mm-hmm. And so it created empathy on both ends. You know, in the scarcity mindset from my end of like, no, we need to have X in the, like, we have to talk about this. Like, I remember the grocery bill coming in every, every week. How much did you spend this week? That was the conversation, you know, and then having it be like $150, $200. What did you buy? Right? Like, these were the conversations real life, like as a child that I got to witness. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then like from there, you know, just being like owning, owning the fact that teachers don't make money before even starting my career, right? Like these are just little nuggets along the way. So I, I always have my clients start with like empathy. What, what are your first money memories like Kate Northrup, but even like, don't that. just stop there, go through your life cycle. And so I love coaching and hearing that timeline with my clients so that I can understand what, where are the pockets of where the cycles are happening in patterns and why? So you work with couples too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that was my next question because you guys took a course together. So was that something mm-hmm. that like one of you presented and both of you joined or it was something you like sought out together because you knew it was something that you wanted to tackle together? Or- yeah, good question. So I think I was the one who approached it first. 
because feminine energies are looking for security and safety. Mm. Like they, what we do is like, we, we make sure everybody's okay. Right. Like, and we make sure that we have a house, we have food, we, the house is clean. Everybody has clothing, right? Like the safety security. And I didn't feel safe. Right. Like when I got that bill and I saw our finances and knew that even just a $40 bill for my student loan was a lot for me to even take on an $800 bill for one student loan was like blowing me out of the water, like demolished, you know? Um, and so we, um, so I approached it and my husband's a researcher. He's a mechanical engineer. <laughs> so he, I was like, this is now is a lot better, but like, this is what I think that we should do so that we know, because we don't know, we don't know how to do this. And we, it, it took honesty and vulnerability to be able to say, we don't know and we need help and we want to learn. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of the first things that we got to learn together, which was nice. Mm-hmm. So I have like so many questions because um, like, I think that there's something that nobody talks about, which is the empowerment of knowing your numbers. Like there's a a level of like, you know, without knowing the landscape, you can't actually tend the soil. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And to tend the soil is hard work. Can you share like mm-hmm. for you? I still have I still have the book in which we used and and I will keep it for the rest of my life. That page in which we wrote everything down because I remember the sensations. It was my stomach. You can talk about the chakras in my throat, like security and like right, like being heard. Worthiness and deserving is what exactly like, like comes from the chakras, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I remember writing this down, A, how much debt we have, and B, what our expenses were, and uh, and what our income was. And I was like, well, I remember it stuck with me until the next class. And I was like, I don't even want to open this book. And to like open it up and to face it again, it was like, it was hard. But Can I ask a really personal question here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was your expenses and debt that you were paying monthly greater than the income you had coming into your household at the time? That's a good question. Um, I'm a visual person. Let me visualize it. Hang on. Um, Because you're looking, if you're looking at 800 and 800 plus all the other expenses is wants versus expenses expenses no our lifestyle yes okay so if we put un- under all those umbrellas for mm-hmm. the people who, who aren't in mm-hmm. this space to segregate and understand mm-hmm. the difference between mm-hmm. them, the yep. out money mm-hmm. was greater than in, than the in money when you started this process mm-hmm. because i wasn't even able like there were some months where i wasn't able to even make my student loans student loan payment and that was $40 right like it's like okay but our priority is like were we behind on our bills no were we using credit cards to keep things balanced no but when we had this huge breakup wake up call breakup call also (laughs) not a Freudian slip there right like we had we 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 were faced with the option to make some choices to really change the impact that we wanted to make lifestyle wings every week 
buying yarn because I love knitting, right? Like just all these little things. And so it was like, it was, it was hard. It was hard to face all of that. And we just started with the expenses and that was hard enough, let alone putting what we actually wanted in there. Right. And so, (laughs) because I, I'm thinking about every Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. that is listening and Mm -hmm. you feel like you were going without did mm-hmm. you feel like you were, you know, you... That's a really good question. So what this is something that we did and also what I have my clients do was we got super clear on the things that were really important to us. And so we were able to look at our values and say, what are the things that are really important to us? Is going out to wings every single week super important? No, it wasn't. Is... Um, you know, knitting super important to us. No, it really wasn't like it was just fun and social and, you know, the wine that came with it and all of that, you know, just the experience was more important than the actual like action. And so the, the values were what helped us decide where we were choosing our money. And I think this is a big belief about budgeting is that it's all about cutting back and that it's all about not being able to do certain things. And I really want to flip that switch on budgeting and call bullshit because me, (laughs) but it's like budgeting actually allows you the whole purpose of budgeting is to be intentional and purposeful with your money. Mm -hmm. And when you figure out what the values are, the things that are most important to you, to you, then your budget will reflect that. And what actually creeps in guilt, shame, and embarrassment are things that are not in alignment with those values. Mm. And so paying 200 something dollars for cable for us was pissing me off because it it wasn't a value of mine. It's not something that's super important to me. It is to my husband. So we came to uh, an agreement. We still have cable, but we pay $50 for it and that's all. Right. Because he needs his, his whatever he needs, right? Like, this is an agreement that we've come to. And we have a child now. Like, let's be honest. You know, it just is what it is. <laughs> she gets her, her three shows for the day and she's done, you know? Nope. But it's just like... Disney is starting their <laughs> channel soon. I'm sorry. I got to say, for the whatever $15, the Disney channel is going to be is going to be epic. I'm it's excited. where it's at. It's where it's at. Um, and so it's like, once you figure out what those values are and the things that are most important to you, it's like a freight train. And here's the thing. Things that were important to us on our journey when we first started out was paying cash for a Costa Rica trip. Our, our last trip that we we're ever going to take, well, before having kids. Yeah, that was a priority for us while we were paying off debt. Okay. Right. right? Patagonia, like people know us. If they know us, they know that we're going to be wearing Patagonia. That has been like, and those seemed like pretty extravagant type of things to have in the budget. But like, I share those things because it's important to us. Well, and I mean, even working with my coach, she talks about that. Like, what do you want? You need to have what you actually want. What is it that you really want? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, um, you can't just budget like living in that scarcity mindset of like, I can't have anything. Like nothing is available to me. I'm Well, in the law of attraction. It's like dark ages. (laughs) Right. In law of attraction, if you only say that this is what you need. Yeah. This is all that you're going to welcome in. Well, let's talk about that because I think this is a big aha that came up for me in the last six months or so. And uh, 
and I'm going to share a little bit about it. And then I'd love to your, your take on this as well, which is like, um, we are taught to only have what we need. We are taught, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need that. <laughs> what do you really need? Is this really important? All those right for more kids. And, you know, the way I'm taught it is a need line. And we oftentimes just keep hitting that need line, just making it, what is it? What is that one saying, which is, you know, paycheck to paycheck. I'm living paycheck mm-hmm. to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Because we, even when you make more money for some reason, it's just what you need, no matter what you do financially, it's just what you need. Mm-hmm. So where were you and how did you bust through that need line? And, mm, and be able good to- question. Well, I think it's, it's the opportunity of like really weighing out the things that are most important to us, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, let me use an example from just the other day. My daughter <laughs> has been asking for three days to go to Dollar Tree. I don't know if you have a Dollar Tree up there. Mm-hmm. Everything in the store is a dollar and it's all made in China. Like, it just everything goes against my values, but she freaking loves it. So I'm like, whatever, like, we'll, we'll empower her. So before we get there, I tell her, okay, you get to have two things like this is this is what you have in your in your piggy bank, you have $2. So you can have two things. You go in Elsa frozen two is coming out in, in November, and she's freaking out about it. And so they had the new out frozen stuff out there, it automatically picked up a washcloth and a coloring book. I was like, okay, that's the two things. Do you want to go see if there's anything else? She goes, uh-huh. So she goes through and she's like, mama, what about, what about the, um, she's obsessed with, um, oh gosh, they just left me. Um, the light up bracelets. What are they called? That you crack open and they're like, they light up with the. I know what you're talking about, but. Yeah. I- okay. I just can't think of it right now. Um, glow in the dark sticks or whatever. Glow sticks. Glow sticks. Glow sticks. There we are. That is so silly. Um, and so she found them and she's like, mommy, I really want these. And I was like, okay, you know what, you know what your, what, what your two things are. So you can choose which one's more important to me. She's like, I'm going to get the coloring book later. That that's not important to me right now. I'm going to get these glow sticks and the washcloth. And so like at four years old, almost four and a half, she's able to decipher the things that are most important to you. And so when you're in that space of like paying off debt, having that money plan that feels really rocking to you, I don't want you just to stick to it. I want you to have another list of things that are going to feel good to you and other things that you are working towards. So when the surplus comes in, A, you're showing the universe that you're expecting it. B, you already have a plan for it so that it feels really good for you. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, maybe it's, we're not really saving. We're saving. I'm pregnant. So we're saving for the baby. So any surplus is going towards the baby right now. We know that's one of our highest priorities. And so I think, you know, like witnessing the different seasons in life and how things shift now, it's not always going to be the same. And so after that, we have a trip in June, we're going to start saving for that. You know, after that, it's like any, anything on the surplus is going to be going towards that or shifting things in the money plan that feels good to us to make that a priority from here on. So I'm not sure I answered your question. It's good. It's good. So when I'm, cause I'm in my own head here and I'm thinking about like randomly all the different money things Mm -hmm. that are out there right now. And like, do you believe in the uh, multiple bank accounts theory where you have different bank accounts for different things and you move money aside and do all that kind of stuff? I do. Um, That is just what we have had success in. Um, And actually physically setting, we started off with having cash and literally having cash in our house. And it was the best feeling ever. 
to have the cash and the envelopes, the Dave Ramsey envelope system, like to have those envelopes and things set aside. Now, realistically, with our daughter and family life and living in the woods, like we have bank accounts, we have club savings accounts that they have at our local credit union. And so we are able to future set aside future spending for ourselves so that we don't have to stress when car registration comes up, life insurance comes up, like everything is set aside for that so that it we can chunk it out and it's not as overwhelming for us. It's almost like a chipmunk. Like would a chipmunk save all of its, um, or a squirrel, like save all of its acorns in one tree? No, like if the tree got cut down, the acorns would be like destroyed, right? And so they're going to save their acorns. Squirrels saved their acorns in more than one tree. I don't know if they do or not, but this is the analogy that I like to use. <laughs> It's a great analogy. <laughs> Scientifically based and how much nature I'm going to have to find out if that is actually true. But realistically, like what if what happened to that tree, right? Like yeah. what would happen if like it got too heavy with snow on it? That, that squirrel chimp like screwed. So. Rude side squirrel not having any nuts. <laughs> Yes, I'll have to find out if that's actually true. I know. So You're I'm the first person who ever asked that. Well, I, I like to ask questions. I like it. I love it. I, I love it. But I, so I am a fan of having it. If not, then there there are other ways that I work with my clients to really set up a system that feels good. So if they want to keep it just in one savings account, like totally cool. Like there's ways that we can work around that. But setting up like setting up for the future for future spending is one of the best ways to feel calm and feel safe and secure. Right. So thinking about people and I can hear some people and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, this podcast is going to end and they're going to be like, what do I do? Well, not even what do I do, but they're going to get resistance, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to feel resistance to, so they'll get distracted away from, or they will, you know, something will happen and it'll cost money, which mm -hmm. is constantly what happens financially is when you go to do your money work, it's almost like the car breaks down, your roof, yep. like some. I just, I just had a client reach out to me and I've been working with them for a month and a half. And they were like, it felt so good to have our savings. And it was so crummy to have it gone by like the third of this past month because they had car work that needed to be done. I was like, yes, and you can see it through that lens, but also you can see it how quickly, A, that you built it up and how you can do it again, because now you have the prior knowledge and the experience that you're able to do it. So it's inevitable, like, it's, it's the, I think you understand, like, when people hit that ceiling, that glass ceiling, mm -hmm. it's self-sabotage. Yep. Yeah. And what about the people who like are like, oh, I love this Liza and I'm going to reach out to her and I'm going to do this work and I'm going to get my husband involved and all those kinds of things. And then, you know, months go by and they don't even allow themselves. Mm -hmm. the opportunity. Well, here's the thing. The resistance is going to be there because we're comfortable in our crazy norm. Okay. I say crazy, like lightly, but in the norm that actually doesn't feel good right now. Right. And as, as much as it doesn't feel good, it's comfortable. And that's the messed up part. And so it feels better. It's an illusion for us to stay in this uncomfortable norm that isn't working for us in the cycle of anxiety and like stress and all of this that isn't working for us. It feels more comfortable for us to be there than to actually step off the path and go down that, that un, unmarked path. 
because we don't know what to expect. But when you understand the science of fear, that it's like that feeling that that resistance that you're actually feeling is, is your body is categorizing it as fear, but it's actually you just feel uncomfortable because you don't know what to expect. And this dates back to like cave caveman time, right? Like if they didn't know something, what did they do? They ran and hid in their cave because it was life or death, right? If that saber tooth tiger or some furry thing came around the corner and they didn't know what the heck it was. And it was like, 30 times the size of them like they're running because it's either it's going to eat me or I'm going to protect myself yeah but here's the thing you're not going to die doing this work okay like but even though we've been taught (laughs) to to feel that way you're not going to die doing this work but it the sensation that you're feeling isn't fear you're uncomfortable and that's the resistance that you're feeling well, and I'm getting a message to come through that either money has power over you mm-hmm. or you are taking your power back from money, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in some way, because we, we are, I don't know, like even with my clients, when people are deciding to work with mentors, when people are making mm-hmm. big decisions and leaning in, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the first thing that we always hear, the very first thing is, is, you know, I don't have it. It's not there. Da, da, da. They never see mm-hmm. the alternate option. Right. One of the things that I actually say to my clients is like, if I say my price and this is really powerful um, and I want to share it as an alternate thought for people, because there's a solution to every problem. There is always a solution to every problem. And like where money's concerned, most people actually physically shut down. Like mm-hmm. they go into like, mm-hmm. like you watch it happen. And so, you know, you can say, uh, if you're a coach listening, if you're somebody who wants a coach or whatever is listening and you want to work with Liza or you want to work with me and, you know, you're afraid of the money part. For me, what I actually tell people afterwards when they're like, I just can't do it. Oh my God. Da, 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 and they're like, <gasps> I'm like, if you had a perfect plan, if you could actually get to that comfortable place and say, you know what, what about this? Is this an option? Could we do this instead? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's a conversation. It's not a shutdown. Right. Right. And, and here's the thing. Instead of saying I can't do it, if it's something that you really want to do, how can I figure this out for this to work for me? It's a game. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, that's all that money is. And, and we're the ones that, that attach the emotion to, to it because of our imprints, our stories, our beliefs, our habits. And so if we're able to approach the situations, whether it's investing in us or investing in something else of like how it, if it is a value and a priority of yours, but most likely if you're on the call, it probably is. How can I figure this out? That's a question to ask rather than I can't because I can't feels more comfortable, less scary than, Ooh, I really actually want this. And so if we're able to actually just feel the feelings of us really desiring this thing, then how can I figure this out? How can I make this work? So for those who are listening and they're getting off the call and they're like, okay, where do I start? What would be the first thing that you would say to them to just kind of have clarity over? Yeah, I would say the values and their why. Like, why is this work so important? And what are the things that are most important to you? Like that is one of my favorite things to do with my clients. I have a lot of favorite things that I do with them, but like to to have them figure out and dive deep into the things in their lives that are super important and then be able to say, okay, show me the money. Is it your money actually reflecting? Yeah. Is your money actually reflecting these things that are most important to you? 
if you're here having this conversation with me, most likely they probably are not. In some degree, they probably are, but in other degrees, they're not. And so now what do we get to do with this, right? Have you ever heard of the law of polarity? I feel like I have, actually. So I just want to throw this in here because it was a game changer for me where my finances were concerned too, where you look at debt, like, and you, mm-hmm. all you can see is your debt. All you can see is, mm-hmm. but the truth of polarity is like for every up, there is a down, right? For every left, there is a right. It mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. whatever is in negative is available um, in positive. Like it's, it's like that scale of polarity. And so what was a game changer for me was that if whatever I had in debt was in fact available, available to me of equal value and plus, if I was opening my eyes to see the possible ways in which I could bring that forth to my reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other shift of like debt is to actually realize it's causing you to live below your means. Can you clarify that for those listening? Yeah. So what that means is if you have $800 going towards debt, you're forced to live $800 out of your budget mm. because of that debt. Yeah. But can you imagine when it's gone, that $800 gets to go back into your money plan. So why wouldn't you want it gone faster? <laughs> right? Those listening to that watching the YouTube, like she gets so excited. You just like, <laughs> <are> like, <gasps> Like a little kid, you're like, can you imagine? I'm like, yeah. But it's true. Like, can you imagine what that feels like? Like, $800 is a big freaking deal. That's a big deal. And so it's like, yeah, debt does. It's it's crummy. It doesn't feel great. It's sucky. But being in that space isn't going to make you take a step further. And so flipping the switch of the polarity, law of polarity, right? Like, if I can make this of what I have in debt and pay it, you know, pay it off faster or what have you, or, you know, ha- put this money back into my budget so that I can repurpose it to things that are really the most important things to me. Yes. It's like a kid on Christmas morning. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. So I have a random question for you, um, which I ask everybody at the end because mm-hmm. I- it's an important question for me as a book nerd, but if you could choose only one book, one book, Liza, right now, just one that you would say was transformational in your journey. It could be any book for any journey. And oh whatever comes to mind is usually the right book for the listeners. But what book would you impart as like, this book was a game changer for me? Uh, Tuesdays with Maury. I bought that book, but I haven't read it. Oh, it's really good. What is it about? <laughs> It's about this um, gentleman who visits this old man who's dying every Tuesday. And the old man gives like this like life lesson. And what it's an amazing it book for you. Um, it, I, it changed my perspective on a lot of different things mm. and the appreciation and gratitude really shown like shined after that. Not that I didn't have it before, but it was just a really, really good book. I have it. That's one of the books I decluttered and that's one of the books that I refuse to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I just like this book. So I don't think I can get rid of any books anymore. Cause my, my youngest, um, karma has looked at me and said, I believe that I'm going to have a used bookstore one day. So I need you to keep every book that you have so that I have things to stock my shelf with. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. Okay. That is now what is going to be happening in oh my, my world. Oh my gosh. I love it. Because like, I'm addicted to books anyway. I could like I my love own it. Books and smell them mm-hmm. and just be. I know. 
I hear you. I hear you. No, as everybody's listening in there, like Liza, your story is so powerful because how, before I actually get the information from you, how did you make the switch from being a teacher into this work? Yeah. Um, my little angel daughter that you heard, my four, four and a half year old assistant that came in, gave me the nice little swift kick. You know, um, Amber Lillestrom is both Tamara and my uh, mentor, but Amber used to live across the street from me. And I remember the day she told me, when you have that daughter, you're not going to want to go back to teaching. And I said, but what do you mean I'm a teacher? Owned the identity the whole time through. But when that little girl entered this world, I knew it, it, there was no way I was going to have somebody else raise her for losing my whole paycheck plus an extra $200 to have somebody else raise her. There was no way. And so I just got super crafty and realized the gift in which we had in our Wachonas household around money and the ability to really shift and change people's lives with it and had the courage. It was scary. Still is scary. Yeah. But I would do it all over again in a heartbeat just because I get to have these moments with this little girl and our future son here. Yeah. I always say our stardust is found in our stories. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Everybody is listening and they're like, wow, I want <laughs> my debt and I want to learn my financial landscape and I need some Liza Watonis <laughs> in my life because she really is like a care bear. Like truly, like you are just love vibration in all mm -hmm. ways and all things. Oh, thank you. And so like, think about that as being the field of energy that you mm -hmm. are, you know, entering into when you are doing, you yeah. know, what's considered scary to mm -hmm. have that inviting, cozy, um, safe container that is Liza's energy holding that space with you. Where yeah, can they you. go to, to find me? And okay. So you're going to see a theme here. My, my website is lazawatonis.com. I'm mostly found on Instagram at lazawatonis <laughs> and my emails, Liza, lazawatonis.com. So if you're, if you you're interested, that. yeah, and you can reach out through my website too um, to contact, but really a direct message or email is best just so that we can hop on a call, free 20-minute call just to talk where you are and to see if it's a fit for both of us and see how I can help you move forward. So it's scary, you know, and I, I really want to honor that and it's sacred space, but also knowing where I am now in just six years. Just yeah. six years. My life, seven years, it's like the middle of November, I guess, seven years. My life has completely changed, folks. You know, and I just, I want to provide that and put that on a silver platter for you because it's doable for you too. I love you, Liza. Yeah, I love you too, sweetie. Thank you so much. And thank you for the listeners for just sticking with us and having that courage to hold on, even though it's, an, it's uncomfortable, but you're here for a reason and you're hearing this for a reason. So when you're ready, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who listened. If this is impactful and you know, this podcast is something that, you know, friends, family, or anyone needs to hear, please share it, review, like, you know, message us. We are, we are here as your guides and your mentors and supporting you in any way that we can and tune in next week for another incredible human sharing their story and their stardust with you.